Good evening, one and all. Welcome to episode 13 of the Game Cola Podcast. It's the unlucky episode in which we absolutely stop talking and you get to listen to silence for the next 15 minutes. My name is... That actually sounds like the lucky episode. (coughs) That could be it. Well, it's a lucky podcast because Paul's not here tonight. That's right. Paul's not tonight. But my name, as always, is Zach Rich. I'm Nathaniel Hoover, author of Flash Flood and many reviews, mostly Mega Man related. Uh, I'm Michael Gray, and uh, I write uh, Over the Humanity. And the television. And blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Nobody reads anything I write anyway. Let's just keep moving along. (laughs) I just assume they're all about how much you hate Final Fantasy VI. Mm. Or how much you love Nancy Drew. Yeah, we we can bring that up in the final segment because I finished playing uh, part two of Final Fantasy VI. It's getting better. Really, I, I enjoyed it more I than part one. You're actually changing your opinion about a video game. I'm proud of you. Well, to clarify. I found the Game Shark code that turns off all the random encounters, and ever since I started using that, the game has been so much more fun to play. I'm Mike Ridgeway. I write Quantum Geek on uh, Game Cola. I'm the Game Cola. Yes. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about some stuff. Let's talk about what's happening with the Game Cola. So obviously, as most of you have heard. For the next issue, we're changing into an actual website topic, subject, way of posting things. We're becoming a website now. Yes, we're Web 2.0. We were like, what was the .NET signifying that we were a pastry shop? Have you tried Medios scones though? They're to die for. Maybe Paul's making money off of this. Who knows? Oh, we all know we have like three dollars and fifty cents of Google Ads right now. Yeah, I was going to say. No, our, uh, so... Our shares of uh, Game Cola are worth exactly diddly squat. It's a fun fact, that's about as much as the shares of the Coca-Cola company are worth. And General oh. Motors. And pretty much everything else on the stock market. Can I just... I want to make an aside plans here. Uh, Coke Zero, you suck. You are the worst soda I have ever tasted in my life. I would rather drink Diet Coke than drink Coke Zero. So Zach gives it a zero out of ten. <laughs> but uh, here's the here's the scoop game, Cola Fable. We have a ton of new writers and returning writers coming back to the game Cola Land to help us with the new relaunch. We have at least five new people coming on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. lots of guys. I can barely count that high. He need all the fingers of one hand. And uh, another thing, in case anybody, if you guys were wondering uh, where was I for the final issue, anyone notice this distinct lack of good writing talent in the last issue? No. No. Well, uh, I <laughs> I've graduated from high school, and basically the entirety of last month was running around finishing my high school career. Graduation. I did. Yeah. I did. I'm going to college. Yay. Let's play the High School Musical 3 graduation mix. Let's not. Do I have it? I don't no, think I, I have it. No. no, 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 no. We're done with high school. High school's over. There's no high school musical. There's no high school. 
Okay. No high school. Okay. We've abolished high school. It no longer exists. <laughs> high school is not a part of the game closed app anymore. Well, maybe one of the new readers. Not readers, writers. It's very different. Yeah, we never get new readers. Yeah. We just get new writers, and then they come and read their own stuff, and that's how we get new readers. Do any of you guys know any of the new writers? I know Mark Friedman. Were you guys reading back then when he was writing What the Craps? Um, I didn't start reading until Paul emailed me two years ago saying, Hey, you're a pretty funny writer. Want to join this website? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I've been discovered. Oh. <laughs> I think a topic Paul Franzen wanted to bring up, even though he's not here, he's forcing us to talk about it, is save points. And he's just really annoyed at how games, they don't let you save anytime you want. Save points are save points. I know. Well, you can't knock on them. They're a staple of the industry. I mean, I mean some games you do that. Actually, a lot of uh, uh, computer games you can save any time, like with Neverwinter Nights 2 or uh, Half-Life or anything like that. I mean, you just hit the quick save button and suddenly, bam, you have a save. It's mainly console games that uh, that have their, you know, uh, arbitrary save points. save points. I blame Square. And the thing I noticed is that it's usually a Square Enix game that always has a save point somewhere wedged in there. I can't well, think of a for a lot of those games, I mean, you need, for your computer that's running off of your hard, hard drive, I mean, it's not too difficult a task for it to uh, instantly access that data and save it. But for a console, which is a very specialized machine, even though they're becoming more like computers, it's a little bit more tricky for you to pause in mid-action, access the the uh, game's memory storage, and, you know, save your game. So they do it, you know, at, at least this is what I would be thinking, and, you know, save points so you're not doing it every second. Really, because games game. like Golden Sun allow you to, I believe Golden Sun does this, uh, you can save anywhere on the overworld map, but uh, I believe it's it, it's been a little while since I've played, but in dungeons you can't, which kind of makes sense. Hey, uh, and a lot of games have the, um, a lot of the DS games have this, the spend feature, where you, you know, you can save it in the middle of your game, uh, middle of a level, and uh, as soon as you come back, that save is deleted, presumably to, you know, keep you honest. I guess, oh, you know what, no, I was thinking of uh, Dragon Warrior 3, which I've been playing, but I think Golden Sun you can save anywhere. Anyways, I'm, I am i don't honestly remember, but no, Dragon Warrior 3 allows you to save on, um, oh no, I'm lying too. You you can't save on the overworld. Final so, Fantasy uh, 1 and 2. I got, it, I got this. Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, you could always save during the overworld. Yeah, that's, well, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of console RPGs, you can save in the overworld if you're in a dungeon, you need to find a save point. Yes, I, I was full of it. To completely disregard what I said originally. It's, okay. it's probably, the, I guess, a difficulty thing. Uh, you know, keeping you keeping you from saving every few minutes so that you know, if something does go wrong, yeah, you, you need to show some skill to get from one save point to the other, I guess. Although, at the same time, I think that there's definitely a place for the save anywhere feature when you've got games, especially first-person shooters, where you can just die in an instant unexpectedly. Usually with RPGs, it's 
up to your tactics and your ability to survive a number of battles. Every once in a while you have some monster that does an instant kill spell, but hopefully, usually it doesn't wipe out the whole party in one hit. But things like yeah. first-person shooters, you're running too fast around a corner, you fall down a bottomless pit and die, or somebody who's hiding in the corner fires a rocket launcher at you and you just explode and don't have a chance. So those are really annoying where it's just like you janked right when you should have gone left and you die and now you need to restart the whole level. That's why um, playing Goldeneye in Perfect Dark was always so difficult for me because I'd get all the way to the very end of the level and die and I'm like, I just wasted 5, 10, 15 minutes, however long I was there. I'm like, well, I don't want to do this over again. So the thing about things like that is that it kind of adds this, if you don't get, if you die and you just show up where you were again, the death is just like a slap on the wrist and suddenly the difficulty of the game just goes down the drain. I think it adds a bit more to the tension and just your need to survive that you don't want to repeat that same thing you've done for the past 15 minutes that makes save points worth the while. But the, um, well, and again, it's it's maybe that I haven't played as many of the more recent games and, and seeing how uh, they've used uh, saving there. But with platformers, for example, um, it's great to have a checkpoint in the middle. I mean, I hate to go back to Mega Man again, but you've got checkpoints um, at a couple different stages during the level. And if you were to be able to quick save at every single step, it really becomes too easy because, you know, these are big challenges that you practice and you overcome. Uh, with things like first-person shooters, because there are so many variables, there are things coming at you from all angles um, in in three dimensions, and there are a lot of different ways that you can totally run out of ammo. I mean, all sorts of different factors that sometimes, even when you're quick saving all of the time, um, you know, you die on this one challenge, but you're around the corner, and then you die on the next challenge, and the next one after that, and so on and so forth. So each section is a completely new challenge. Right. Now, I'm wondering how many games are like Donkey Kong 64 and they have an automatic save feature where it automatically saves the game for you every time you get a banana or something like that. Well, a lot of games do that, too, uh, on, uh, on console now. I mean, you have... God, I can't think of how many games I've started up and, you know, they show a little sick, a little sign and says, you know, this is the auto-save uh, function when this is going on, don't turn off the game. And they'll do that, you know, at the start of pretty much every new area in most cases. Um, remember also that DK64 was a cartridge-based game, and when it saved, it just did it on the fly. There was no need to load or tell us that it was saving anything. That was the advantage about cartridge-based gaming, and that's why the Nintendo 64 was cartridge-based in the first place, so that they didn't have those long load times that the PlayStation suffered from. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll see that in a ton of games in the modern era. You just won't realize it's happening because it's not as seamless as it was back in the cartridge times. Yeah, like in the uh, Metroid game for the Wii. It, uh, when yeah. Samus shoots a door, it will stay closed for a couple of seconds before opening. And what's really happening is that the game is automatically area. loading right. the next area. Uh, I Actually, I did not know that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's the same deal. Why every time you hopped in an elevator, that's why you used elevators to get from place to place. Oh well, that, that I figured out, but I didn't know the. Uh, <laughs> why the, is the uh, door not opening? It's taking forever. Tick tock. I thought the game was just messing with me. <laughs> There's a countdown, and the place is about to explode, and yet the door won't open. What the hell? Yeah, I really hated that. Actually, this is a topic I wanted to get into. Uh. You mentioned the virtual console here. 
like you're talking mm-hmm. about re-releases. I took a good look at the schedule. Uh, Microsoft released the Summer of Arcade schedule, like the games that are coming up that are like the big Xbox Live Arcade titles for the summer. And um, the next three releases for the Xbox Live Arcade are all re-releases, revamped remakes. Uh, next week is... Uh, Adventures of Monkey Island, the, the re-release of Monkey <laughs> Island, which I can't wait for. Wait, you mean Tales of Monkey Island? That's no, the new one. And no, 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 the new one. Uh, they're re-releasing the first Monkey Island on the Xbox Live Arcade, with like an HD Secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> yes, Secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> then the week after that, the one I'm most excited for, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is re-released. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that grew up playing that in the arcades, that's so important to me, and I can't wait to get my hands on that. And then the week after that is um, Turtles in Time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Before the side scroller gets an updated remake. And the thing I've been noticing more and more is that people get extremely excited for re-releases more than they do for a new IP or a new game upcoming. When Nintendo announced that they were re-releasing all three of the Metroid Prime games putting them together on one disc and shipping them out with uh, Metroid Prime 3's controls, people went haywire. That was like front-page news all over the place. But then you had the Conduit, which came out, and I didn't even know it was out. I thought it was still in development. I didn't even know it had a publisher. I love re-releases, but does anyone else here think re-releases are kind of taking too much of the thunder? And this is, um, here's a teaser well, it's, for this. it's human nature. Uh, and what you have is things that people... Things that are familiar and that people like. Nine times out of ten, you know, someone's going to go for, say, the chocolate cake that they know and love instead of maybe trying uh, something new. Um, and, yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'd like to see more innovation, but I, I gotta admit, I'm kind of excited for these things too because, you know, it's a, you, you can never underestimate the power of nostalgia to motivate people's buying power. There are plenty of people who didn't have an NES or didn't have a Super Nintendo or didn't have this or that or whatever system. And so maybe they've played these games before, maybe they've heard fantastic things about them, but never had the systems and are so eager to finally be able to play them without searching the Internet for some half-decent um, old console that's still in working condition, let alone the games. How different is like the sequels in Reimer? Re-releases and sequels, how different is that from, say, a licensed game? Because I thought about it with movies. All the movies you get nowadays, they're usually just sequels and re-releases. Or not re-releases, remakes. That's what they call them in movies. Where they expect everybody's going to see it just because of the license. People are going to see the new Alvin and the Chipmunks movie because it's Alvin and the Chipmunks. Not because it's any good. And I wonder if this transfers over... Does this transfer over into the video game world where people are excited about a new Monkey Island game because it's Monkey Island? They love the license. Oh, of course it does. Um, people look so excited to new IPs, and the new IPs fall flat on their face in sales because a new Mario game came out. I Sorry, Zach, could you define IP for the uh, non-elite here? An IP is called an intellectual property, and it's basically ah. just a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um... I think the one that sticks out the most, like, the easiest example to talk about this is, of course, Beyond Good and Evil, which um, I personally still haven't played it, I've yet to come around to it, which makes it a perfect example of this, but um, from what I've heard, and I can't 
give this with first-hand experience, but it was probably one of the best games of the last console generation, but nobody played it because it was a new idea, it was a new IP, the characters weren't familiar, it got shunted inside of the sales in favor of Mario and Sonic and La La La. And IPs, a, a familiar IP has so much buying power. That's why Nintendo stays on the map, because here's all the characters you're familiar with, here's all the gameplay styles. People were more excited to E3 for the two new Mario games, for the new Metroid title, than they were for almost anything else. When I sat there throughout, um, I sat there for, I watched Microsoft's press conference live, and they showed off like the new Splinter Cell, and the new Final Fantasy, and la la la, and then they showed Alan Wake, and people said they were underwhelmed. I thought, I can't wait for Alan Wake, it sounds like a great title, it seems so exciting, and yet, it gets overshadowed because Sega's working on a new Sonic game or something. And here's the other thing. That's the reason Sonic stays around. And that's where I'm guilty of this myself. I, I bought Sonic Unleashed because I thought maybe this would bring Sonic back. I love Sonic, but someday he's going to die and someday I'll stop buying his games. But that's exactly what people want. That's why Sega doesn't care how good the Sonic games are. They just want them out there so people will buy them. Mm-hmm. Although I'd say that's worked against them because, you know, people have realized lately just how bad the Sonic games have gotten. But they're still being bought. That's the problem. The so uh, the one they released in 2006, Sonic the Hedgehog, is one of the greatest hits titles on the 360 right now. It sold like crazy, and it was a terrible game. As long, like, Sega, and this is a thing, I have a really close friend, and he's a total Sega fanboy back then, he loved his Genesis, and la 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 la, and he keeps talking to me about how much Sega sucks because they don't help Sonic out. Sega's not going to do anything for Sonic until people stop buying his games. <laughs> That's the bottom line. If people keep buying shit, they'll keep pouring out shit. That's how licensed games work. That's how IP. That's why we get twenty four thousand Mario games in a year, and all of them are baseball titles. People buy that stuff, but they're awesome. You thought Mario Baseball was awesome? Uh, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it credit for putting King Cruel in there. That was a nice move. But oh, yeah. it, it was an okay game, but it could have been so much more, or it couldn't have existed at all. It, 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 I don't know. When you when you when you take a property and make spin-off after spin-off after spin-off of that, like the Guitar Hero series. I refuse to buy anything for Guitar Hero anymore because I don't like the business plan, I don't like the strategy. But people still know it. People still buy the games and EA not EA, uh Antivision keeps pumping them out. That's how Antivision has become the number one third party third party developer in sales right now because they keep pumping out franchise after franchise after franchise. They've essentially gone ahead and taken EA's old business model and adopted it to themselves, which is why they've surpassed EA in sales, and EA is now a good company again. I'm talking a lot tonight. Well, you basically mm. said everything that I was going to say except better. <laughs> well, you're, he's also trying to make up for not being in the last several podcasts as well, getting all that talking that he didn't get a chance to do. It's understandable. Yes, mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of pent-up communication to deliver. Um, I've forgotten the original point and everything I've been talking about, 
But, um, you see an, an old IP, you see a re-release and you get excited. And, um, the next, <laughs> this is actually funny because I started writing my next, um, Sacrage Dice in 2020 article, and it is about remakes I want to see. And there are titles I want to see remade because I love them, and some of them are arcade titles. The biggest one that pops up in my head is Hydro Thunder. I spent so much money playing Hydro Thunder, and I really want to play it again. So that's definitely one that's on that list, and that's a spoiler for all of you if you actually read the article. But that's the point I'm trying to get across, is that re-releases are awesome, but they take too much hype away from other stuff. And that's the more of the story. And I would just add that I don't like it when they have, like, 50 re-releases of the same game. It's a remake of a remake of a remake. That's annoying. And that's why I don't want to see Batman The Dark Knight. But, um... Well, here, here's the thing. The, wait, 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 wait. The movie? Yeah, isn't it a remake of the Bat... Uh, come on, it's like the fifth remake of the Batman series. Whoa, time out. Hang on. Um, they, they did a franchise reboot where they erased all the continuity of the first four movies mm -hmm. and then started a new series. There's reboots the not a remake of anything. It, it incorporates, um, or at least uh, Batman Begins, as I understand it, incorporated a lot of elements from the comics. Um, and, of course, yeah. you're going to have some of the similar villains, some of the similar concepts that mm -hmm. you've seen before, but it's not a remake of anything. Not only that, I don't see the difference. There was a lull... There, it used to, like, back when the Tim Burton Batman movies were made, the super vil superhero movies were all the rage back then. But then, like, Batman was good. Then, uh, which one was it? Batman Forever or something? Then the second one was good, but it wasn't as financially successful. So they handed the reins over to another guy who made the next two movies, and he made Batman and Robin. Jerry and Brock that horrible, 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 horrible. That's right, Brock, uh, Brockheimer. Horrible, oh, horrible, horrible, horrible failure. And thanks to Batman and Robin, in combination with a couple of other movies, uh, Shaquille O'Neal and Steel, one of the minor DC characters that got a movie, stuff like that destroyed superhero movies. And it wasn't until 2002 when, not even 2000, uh, 2000 X-Men. X-Men brought it back, and then Spider-Man mm -hmm. made it big uh, again. <laughs> did Spider-Man or X-Men? X-Men come out first. X-Men was, was, was 2000. I think it was X-Men. Pretty sure it was I don't know. I, I don't think X-Men was that big of a success. I think the one that really actually brought it back was Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah. Because they're Spider-Man. But that's why... You then get then X-2 came out, and that X-2 became a big deal. And then X first X-Men wasn't so much. The, the first X-Men was a launching point. It, it was Spider-Man that brought it back because he's such a beloved character. We're all just comic book nerds at heart, apparently. I, I'm, I'm very much a nerd person. I, I'm a nerd on video games, a nerd on comics, a nerd on theater. I, I'm just nerdy. I don't know. I'll I just... can't play sports. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Which is ironic because I'm a lifeguard and everyone else plays a sport and like we are all naming off our sports and I sit there and I'm like, musical theater. Baseball, virtual tennis, virtual... <laughs> I play Wii Sports. Hey, you can't say Wii Sports without sports. Uh, quick poll, which is better, online multiplayer or just live multiplayer with somebody who's there? Ooh. Yes, live. this is live, easily live. Online multiplayer is great when, like, if it were us playing a game, 
since we can not be in a room next to each other since there's miles and miles and miles and miles and miles between us. But when it comes to when I I have on my Xbox Live account, I have several of my friends are local people and they'll always send me a request to go play a game and then I'm like, Hey, you wanna come over for a little bit and we'll play some split screen? I grew up playing games like the N64 was my home. It was my love, and it was a four-player console, and there were many multiplayer games out the wazoo, and we would just play games like that into the night. And that sense of familiarity and homeliness that came with it is lost on this generation. Homeliness. homeliness. I just made a word. It, no, it's no sort of... homeliness means ugly. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's it's more like a euphemism than. You, well, if you say, you know, someone is homely, that means that they have a great personality. I, I love sitting there with my friends and experiencing the game. I love playing split-screen multiplayer games. I have a TV big enough to do it where everyone can still see the screen. I love sitting there playing Halo with four buddies so that we're all in the room. And my... Uh, it, <laughs> games like Rock Band. I, I hate playing Rock Band online because it's not fun that way. I mean, multiplayer, online multiplayer is fun. I'd rather do it in my room. I'd rather have my friends there with me. I'd rather see the looks on their faces when I snipe them from 15,000 miles away. That's what I say. Ditto. Yeah, for the most part, I agree with Zag. Uh, the, the online stuff is also easier. It is, you know, easier just to pop online, you know, hook up with other random people that are looking to play a game, and go from there. Um, it's a little harder to set up, you know, a bunch of people coming over, or even, you know, one and two people coming over, but uh, I agree that, you know, having the person in the room is a much more satisfying experience overall. Alright, so let's move on to the next major topic of the podcast. Uh, what games are coming out this month, and what games everybody is playing right now? Uh, mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and throw this out there. Uh, Recently played through the Ghostbusters game. Uh, that was no really fun. Uh, no, don't worry, no spoilers. I, actually, I finally, uh, saw the finally saw the movie. movie. Great movie. Cool. Um, the, the, the game is very true to the movies. Uh, it's very fun. It's very funny. The uh, voices are well done. Bill Murray kind of sounds like he's asleep uh, for parts of it. But, you know, he, he sounded like that since... At least, maybe Rushmore. Um, it's because of Groundhog Day. He hasn't been able to sleep for like two years in a row. Oh, yeah, there you go, Michael. Uh, I was actually about to mention that. So, <laughs> sorry. Oops, no, thank you for But it's 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 very good. I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a little short, but it's it's fun, and I think it's got some decent replay value. I, I just have yet to go back to it. Um, I've also been playing. Uh, I tried to play Tales of the Abyss on PlayStation 2, Loser. but, oh god, I, I, it's so annoying. The, the characters, everyone, basically all dialogue is voice acted. The characters have really annoying voices. They make me want to take uh, a drill to my brain to let the demons out. Uh, they, the, there's, there's so much grinding, like level grinding and money grinding, uh, uh, and just the plot is not not worth 
what little cat there is is not worth what you're going through. And also, they uh, have this really annoying way of railroading you through the plot once you get to certain areas. So if you haven't done your side quests, you're done. You can't go back and do your side quests, and then you can't do the side quests that depend on those side quests, and suddenly your characters are, you know, duly unequipped to deal with the new and omnipresent gods that are, you know, assaulting them every five minutes. <clears throat> and uh, lastly, I have been playing, well, in addition to Neverwinter Nights 2, which I'm always playing, um, uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon, which I just wrapped up, and it was my first Fire Emblem game, and I really enjoyed it. Good, man. It's awesome. I yeah, love Fire Emblem. I'm, probably, I'm definitely going to get out. I haven't bought Shadow Dragon yet, but I'm probably going to before I leave for college, because all I'm taking with me for this semester is my DS. So I'm probably going to bite that in Rhythm Heaven, and I'll be happy. And then when Scribble Knots comes out, I'll definitely Oh, I'm so up. looking forward to Scribble Knots. Scribble Knots looks amazing. Any game where you can, like, make a waffle iron and a baby and throw a waffle iron over a baby, it's a winner in my Any book. Any game where you can make Cthulhu, or Cthulhu and God with a shotgun fight each other? is, you know, wins in my book. I can't wait. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, that's that's what I've been playing lately. All good games except for Tales of the Abyss, which, you know, if if you uh, if you enjoy horrible grating voices and uh, a very linear plot structure, by all means, play it. If you enjoy something, if you uh, prefer to spend your time on something far more enjoyable, then I would go with something else. Fire Emblem. No, I was going to say, the Fire Emblem, that apparently, that game's a remake of a remake. Yeah. But it's it okay, has, because... Not of a remake, it's just, um, it was the original Fire Emblem. Or is it the second it's remake? Been, it's never been released on the, in the United States, so... Mm -hmm. well, no, I mean... That makes is the only Super Smash Bros. Brawl character whose game was never released in the United States. Because you bought three. <laughs> no, the third Fire Emblem game was also a remake of the first game, so this is like the second remake of the first game in the Fire Emblem series. That's why I was, was just saying. A, was that Nathaniel or Zach that was talking about Mother 3 really quick? That was he me. Was. Did saying that <laughs> that was me doesn't help when I'm asking Zach, it was Zach. I mean, did you have you played it? Did you did you get the fan translation of it? Very good. That's right. what I hear. Yeah. Except that Smash Bros. Brawl spoiled half the game for us all. So. All right. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, okay, so you kind of know who the end boss is, but that's about it. Hey guys, Porky's the end boss. Spoiler. You didn't what? play Smash Brothers? Melee. Sixty-four. I've played a round. Two rounds, maybe. Oh, okay, so you don't know who the last boss is, No! Huh? Mm -hmm. Alright! It's a, it's a rambling evil mushroom. Or, sorry, struck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew! I want to see a video game made where Mario is the big bad. Not Donkey Kong Jr., a full-on 3D adventure game. I want to see a Bowser game. How come there's never been a game where Bowser's the main character? I said that's a decent question. They, they've done it for just about every other... Mario character, and you would think they would. Like, I mean, he's he. You can been able to. They've been able to control him, but 
Yeah, and he's never been the full-on lead character of the narrative. No, that's and you know that's a good question. I'm surprised I actually haven't done that yet. If you do well, something Bowser, in order for it to not be a generic platformer, or for it to be Bowser from Super Smash Brothers just walking through a normal Super Mario Brothers game, you need to do something really creative, like I think it was a Dungeon Master or Dungeon C, whatever the one was where you can build your own dungeons, where you'd have to be like in control of your castle, and then you can place traps to get at Mario, and maybe you need to go out and capture the princess. Like I don't envision it being a, a regular standard game, because there are so many more things that you as Bowser can do, especially if you bring in like the Koopa Kids or Bowser Jr. or the entire army of Goombas and Koopa Troopas and all those other characters. I mean, there's a lot of potential. Maybe. And Bowser is voiced by Dennis Hopper. How many of you have seen the Super Mario Brothers Super Show? Uh, I've seen a few episodes. I've only okay. seen I've only seen the Zelda cartoons from it. Okay. Are you familiar? You remember what Bowser's voice sounds like? In you who boots and runs away. It's more like it's more like Harvey Firestein. Yeah, Koopa something along those lines. the way lives to coop another day. Yeah, something along those lines. I'm I'm wondering who likes this uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show Bowser voice better than the one that's been going on in the more recent, like Super Mario Sunshine, for example. Um, because okay. that, totally random side tangent, but that voice does not seem to fit Bowser at all for me. It doesn't really? bother The only character's voice who bothers me right now and like, Nintendo games is easily Donkey Kong's. He sounds like a literal donkey. And that deliberate. I I don't know. I actually think that Really? I think that the voice for Koopa in the show fits the design of that character. I True. think the deep voice in the in like Super Mario Sunshine and stuff like that fits the design of that Yeah, but it's not a deep voice. It's like a guy who's trying to do a deep voice, but it, it isn't, it's yeah, not, not the really low, rumbly, low voice that I was hoping for. It sounds like, you know me, if I'm trying to do a fake low voice, I kind of sound like this, and that's just no good. Hey, guys, I'll be right back. Okay. Bye. Well, that was one of the topics that we were oh. going to discuss, is do people actually... Do people care about like the Mario and the Zelda games? Do they do they care about having the silent characters, or do they do they prefer having the characters who never talk, as opposed to full on voice acting? Because Mario and Zelda, no voice acting usually. I actually I prefer the uh, the silent protagonists because at this point you have just so many crappy. So much crappy voice work done for protagonists. It's like, you know, just let me have a protagonist voice in my own head. Um, well, even aside from that, these are characters who have been silent for many, many years. It's not as though they're making a game from scratch and saying, well, do we want to have voice acting or not? Do we want to have a silent protagonist or not? These are characters who have established that they don't talk, and if they do, it's in text only. And so that's the kind of mm-hmm. thing where we don't reveal what their voice sounds like because it's not going to match what anybody thinks it should sound or, like. Or uh, in Super Mario Brothers Super Saga, uh, wild, over-the-top gestures and uh, word bubbles, such as Mario and Luigi do. Yeah. Ethnic, uh, it's, it's sort of like Italian gibberish. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I think they, they handled Mario pretty well because he's he's very friendly. He's still kid-friendly the way he sounds. He doesn't uh-huh. sound like, you know, some grungy Brooklyn plumber who really hates his job and has to go out and save the princess and eat mushrooms all day long. You know, he sounds friendly like a, a character that, you know, you'd actually want to follow on an adventure. And he doesn't talk too much. At least, you know, I haven't played some of the more recent Mario games, but um, at least in Mario 64 and the couple ones that followed after it, it was a woohoo here and a yeah there, and you're just not anything you can really complain about. It's just interesting for Mario because they have an established voice actor for him who's been doing his voice for like 10, 15 years or so, but still, has he? I don't think he's done anything where he has to do full-on voice acting for any particular game. And and the day that happens is the day they yeah. ruin Mario. That's fun in short bursts, but uh-huh. when you have a character who talks like that constantly, you raise your eyebrow and you say, what is this? Yeah, but Super Mario Sunshine, to bring that up, did anybody else think it was weird how they had full-on voice acting for Bowser, Bowser Jr., the princess, but not Mario? Not really, no. No, uh, because oh, okay. th- that's... I mean, the, the voices that they had given for or the the little tiny clips of voice acting they had done before for uh, for the princess, at least, kind of sounded like a normal human being, the way an average Princess Peach might talk. Mm-hmm. And so it was okay to do voice acting because they'd already established that. But because they established Mario's voice as a sort of caricature, that really wouldn't work in normal voice acting. Thank you so much for playing my game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Nathaniel, what games are you playing now. Well, um, Michael was talking about Tales of the Abyss. I'm actually uh, playing through Tales of Symphonia with my girlfriend, and this is something that we've been playing for several months now, and the trouble that I've been having with it is that we'll play it for a couple hours, and then we'll stop, and then it'll be a few weeks or a month or two before we get back to it, and then we start playing it again and have no idea what we are doing or where we are. It's at least handy that they have the uh, in-game system that tells you exactly what plots are active and where you've been and they've got a map and everything. But still, by the time you finally find your way back to where you're supposed to be going and remember all of the little plot details, it it takes like an hour to get back into the groove of playing the game. So it's been sort of frustrating um, for a while just because... Hey, Zach! uh, Talking about Texas. It's been a little frustrating because... There's, we were at the part of the game where there were lot, lots of running around, lots of little side quests, lots of plot-intensive things, and it was just very difficult to keep track of. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I started out really liking the game, and then after several areas started looking the same and the plot became a little more incomprehensible and things were the challenges were a little bit similar and just all the things were converging to become sort of a, a mediocre or average game. And now, uh, at this point, we're, I think, almost at the end of the first disc, and things are starting to pick up again and get more interesting and, and exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of it, because I really want to like the game, um, instead of just sort of be okay with it. What game is this? Tales of Symphonia? For the GameCube? I, I never finished. I liked it. I just never really finished it. The first disc, yeah. Like, the first half of the first disc is kind of boring, because it's not until, like, the big plot twist in the middle of the first disc where the story actually feels like it starts. But I I enjoyed it, I just never got around to finishing it. That's all. I'll probably go back to it one day. 
And actually, that's... Well, I've been <laughs> I've been playing Dragon Warrior 3 for, like, two years now. Um, except at this point, I've already beaten the game, and I'm just on the bonus material, because after you beat the game, there's a bonus dungeon and lots of uh, monster medals that you unlock by uh, fighting lots and lots and lots of enemies, and you'll randomly get a medal. And then you use these medals to unlock the different levels of the bonus dungeon. So I'm going back whenever I'm excruciatingly bored or on a road trip, because I have it for the uh, Game Boy Color, um, and go back and just oh, grind wow. Monster Medals. So those are uh, honestly the only two games I'm playing. I have Final Fantasy VIII that's been on hold forever, <laughs> just because I, I really can't get that's myself That's probably for the best. Home. What's that? Probably for the best. Hmm. Well, see, that's that's I'm having the same problem with Final Fantasy VIII as I was with Tales of Symphonia, is that I don't play it often enough, and when I do, I come back and say, where am I? What am I doing? Except there's no real... The, the map isn't terribly useful, because it's really convoluted to get around the map right now, especially with random maps. <laughs> and um, it's also tough because there's no plot synopsis or anything. I've had to look up a lot of things because I'm like, they're talking about going to the witch's house. Where's the witch's house? Too many RPGs going on. I need some, like, platformers and stuff. Zach, do you want to say what games you're playing, or should I do it? Uh, I'll go ahead. Why not? Nah, you go ahead. I'm playing Nancy Drew, Ransom of the Seven Chips, which uh, just came out, I believe. It's a cool game for three reasons. Number one, it's got a pirate theme. You can't go wrong with pirates. Number two, it's the triumphant return of one of the cooler villains from earlier on in the series. And number three, you finally get to see what Nancy's friends, Bess and George, look like. On the previous games, you could only call them on the phone, and in this game they have full 3D character models for them. Uh, I'm also playing DuckTales 2 for the NES and the Game Boy. Good man. What else am I playing? I'm playing Quirk for the Game Boy, too. I've already written a uh, walkthrough for it, and I was thinking of filming a video walkthrough just because it'd be easy to film. Okay, so that's cool. all I'm playing. Alright, my turn? Mm -hmm. Well, go for it. Uh, I've been playing a few games lately, and a lot of them... For different reasons. Um, well, the first one, the one I'm mostly playing right now, uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, my summer job, I'm a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. A lifeguard who doesn't play sports. A lifeguard who doesn't play sports, correct. Um, and we've, uh, the weather over here in New York has not been exactly, you know, mid-July weather. In, in fact, I, I got home early today. That's why I was here on time for the podcast. We closed around three today, so I didn't exactly get to work that much today. But um, I've kind of, eventually days like that, we just kind of sit around doing nothing. And I eventually, I dug up my old Game Boy Pocket and decided to start playing Pokemon again. So I started a new file in my game. Which, ironically, is the very first game I've ever owned in my life. I got it when I was eight years old, and that was my first video game, and I love it. And, um, I've been playing some Pokemon Red lately. That's, nice. uh, yeah, it's a fun time. It's it's nice to stroll back along memory lane. But, um, you know, I, I played Pokemon for a while, and I actually had Pokemon Red. That was the only one I ever played. I got halfway through the game to, like, the Safari area, and then I realized, you know... I don't have to catch them all, and I just return the game for something else. But, but you gotta catch them all. Um, well, that's what I'm, I um, and 
Paul will be really happy, and Paul's going to kick himself because I'm talking about this. I bought uh, Sam and Max Season 1 on yes. 360, and I have been playing for that. I'm on the fifth episode right now. I'm on Reality 2.0, and it is definitely one of the funniest games I've played. I don't agree with the mid-boss article about there being no such thing as video game humor, because this game has left me... This game has left me in tears. That's how funny it's been. Yeah. It, it, I was, I didn't expect it to be that good. It, it's incredible. And even though the gameplay gets a little old, and I can't really play it for long periods of time because I'll start to get tired because I'll be bored. So I don't play it for long periods of time, but it's hilarious. Like, it, so it's boring, but it's funny. It, it's bore, the gameplay, it's funny, but like, it's I don't well, know how some to of the it. some of the puzzles I I played this not the puzzle, too terribly that's the ago. Problem. Um, the puzzle, some of the, the puzzles puzzle, are like, a little bit simple here and there like some of them do get more challenging um, are, and don't make some it of nice. them are fairly repetitive like you need to use ketchup as the same that's plot device about three or four different times in this almost the same way that, yeah it's always ketchup cool. and it took me about forty five minutes to realize I needed to get ketchup on that cake that well we've just one. spoiled a puzzle. <laughs> Oh, uh, don't worry. Mm. We're helping out in the long run. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been playing a lot of that. I I really went ahead and spent a ton of money playing on some Xbox Live Arcade stuff. I bought the Magic the Gathering game on Live How Arcade. How is that? Uh, it, it, I, I'm a huge Magic player, and I have a few decks myself. Once again, nerdy. Yeah, the that's that's with... acceptable levels of nerdiness, though. Well, I'm not... Yeah, <laughs> I just don't play it that much because most of the people that play Magic are like fat, overweight people that are creepy. And... It's kind of annoying too. That's not yeah, necessarily the case too. everywhere. Like I, I, I was at a Magic. Been... Sorry, go I ahead. went to a Magic tournament once, and like I, I was younger. It was me and my friend, and we were like sixteen at the time. And there was this older, fat, bearded gentleman who was playing in the table next to us. And, like, he was done with this game, and he was just putting his cards back together, like, shuffling them, land, creature, spell, land, creature, spell. And I turned to him, and I asked him a question, and he's like, Son, I'm doing important business here. You gotta get back to your game and pay attention. I'm like, all I was doing was asking you how this card works. Because, like, it was it was a type of tournament where you get all these booster packs, and you have to make a deck out of them. And, like, and they, they have were, some really weird new stuff out. Yeah, some of the new cards are just weird. I bought my deck my dad a few new decks for Father's Day, and there's some stuff on there that's just, I don't know what it means. Uh, um, I, I, got, I played it a bit in high school, and um, then some of my friends uh, uh, introduced me to this game called Magi Nation that was really fun and a lot simpler than Magic. Do you remember the Magi Nation video game? It was on I, the never, game I know of it. I never played it though. I loved that game. That was a fun game. That was it, a, the card game though is really great because they yeah. they um. You know, I'll admit I I started kind of collecting some of the Pokemon cards, but I have friends who play that, so I was like, I'll I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, but the great thing about Imagination was that you didn't have like energy. Well, you you had energy, but you didn't have to like tap lands or attach right. energy to your Pokemon. You had, um, you had like, it was almost kind of video game-ish. You had three it lines, if you think about it. Well, I think that, well, maybe, I'm not sure how, what was based on, but, but you had, you had like three kind of mages that were your, you know, think of 
the, as your lives, and, you know, the person would have to kind of burn you down to zero energy on each guy. And you re you regain some energy each turn, but you used it. You used that to cast spells and to summon uh, summon creatures and stuff like that. And it was just it was very very fun, easy to pick up, well done. And I haven't been able to look at magic since without feeling nothing but scorn. <laughs> uh, yes. But um, so going back to the original thing, yeah. The thing about the magic game on the Xbox Live Arcade, you can't create your own decks. There are preset decks that you can add cards to, but you can't change the core deck. And that, magic to me, is all about making your own deck, making your own that's strategy. Possibility, yeah. Yeah, like that's, it's a collectible trading card game. You should be able to customize what you want. And, um, that was, that was the, that was the downer for me. It, it's fun, it's magic, and you can play it online. But it loses a lot of what I love about it because there are, like, I have this one, I have a artifact elf deck that I love using and it, it, the fact that you can create your own deck on there just ruins it for me a little bit. It, it's, it's a decent game and the music's kind of cool, but it, I wouldn't say download it only if you're a really big magic fan. Good to know. That's what I have to say. Um, what else did I buy? I bought Peggle. I think I mentioned that before, but I've been playing a lot of Peggle. I got addicted. Peggle is addicting. Um, what else did I buy? I bought, do you guys know, um, it came out I, a little while ago. Do you remember the Dishwasher Dead Samurai? I think I've I, heard of it. Yeah. It, it was, it started life as a community game, but people liked it so much that Microsoft upgraded it to a full-on arcade title, and it's just this side-scroller beat-em-up that's extremely violent. Look, like, the blood just pours out of the bad guys. And it, it's hard, and it's kind of cheap. It's it's not, like, a triple-A title in my book, and it's not... I wouldn't say it's... It doesn't it's give you auto-assistance? No, it, it's just a lot of it I don't like about it, but it's, it's a fun playthrough. You should at least like check it out. It's it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. It's, the style, the graphic style is pretty interesting, and it, it's it's an okay game. I kind of liked it. And then um, there was one more. Uh, what else was I playing? Uh, uh, I think I said this too, but Mass Effect. I keep on playing Mass oh, Effect nice. more. I finally got around to buying uh, Bring Down the Sky, the expansion pack. And uh played through that. It's really You happy. had to buy it? Yeah, it's a five dollar add on. I got the um, PC version, it was free. Loser. <laughs> I don't like PC gaming. But yeah. Uh so yeah, Mass Effect two. Can't wait. That's my big game for next year is Mass Effect two. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I've been playing. Okay. Um, I think what's next? Or I think the last thing is what games are coming out because we need to talk about the new Monkey Island game, right? Yay! Episodic gaming for the I, I am yeah. very disappointed so far with the new Monkey Island game, and it's not because I've been playing it, because I've been trying to get the demo version to work on my PC, <laughs> and I keep getting uh, secure ROM errors. Huh. I can't get the damn thing to work. Actually, during this this podcast, Where'd I you get been, your demo. The, the Telltale game site. Really? Okay. Yeah. I've been trying to get it to work, and 
I got nothing, and, and I've been, you know, doing what they, they said to do. And, you know, I, they say, oh, well, maybe you have some spyware or some viruses. I do not. My computer is clean, unless it is some new super virus that is undetectable by my myriad of um, virus software. Um, mm -hmm. So, I have the yeah. same problem, just, just throwing it out there, although I only tried once, then I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, at this point, I'm just tempted to wait for the Wii release, because I don't have to worry about friggin' Secure ROM messing up my machine and my, my software. But that's your only complaint with it so far? Well, it, it, it has the, to be my only it, complaint with it so far, because, you know, I can't... Well, I mean, there's, there's a video out there you can read about some of the things that are going to be in it. You can read about the, the game itself. So, I, I mean, if there I, are things that you're not looking the, uh, forward to, that's valid. I, I watched, like, a gameplay movie of the first few minutes. It looks funny, and it looks good. I just, I can't tell you from first-hand experience, because I can't get the damn thing to run on my machine. That's that's my two cents on this issue. Okay. Hooray! Zach, Nathaniel, any thoughts on the new Monkey Island? I'm excited for it. I'm, I, I don't particularly care for episodic gaming because I like to have everything all collected and I, as I mentioned in a previous podcast I like to have things in hard copy so I'm going to wait until they collect it on a CD before I do it which means that I need to wait longer than I might otherwise to play the game um, but that's just my thing and I, I, I'm really glad um, they, um, they're bringing back uh, some Curse of Monkey Island uh, voice actors for this I, I don't know the full cast list um, but uh, Guybrush is back, which is super exciting to me because he's fantastic. Oh yeah, I, I must have like a problem with voice actors for some of the villains because, like I was saying with Bowser's voice, LeChuck's voice just doesn't quite sound right to me. Like Curse and Escape sounded just fine to me with the the LeChuck voice, but this one doesn't sound right. <laughs> voice actors ruin everything. Just the <laughs> villains. I don't like. I, I don't particularly care for Guybrush's new look. Like, I, I kind of miss the... I, I would have actually gone with any of the, his previous looks, except for the one from uh, Monkey Island 2, because the, the beard just, I, I think rightly so, didn't look right on him. Um, and I think that was intentional, but the... It's like it, I don't know, just doesn't quite look the same kind of guy brush that I'm used to seeing. Holy crap! I just what? got Monkey Island to work. <laughs> yeah, I, uh... So if anyone has any questions about this, I found a good way. Thank you, Internet. And Mr. Tobacco Rhoda on the Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter message board. That's where I go for all my Monkey Island needs. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, who's on? Anyway, I will let everyone know what Monkey Island is like at some point in the future. Yay! I have Escape from Monkey Island on the PS2. Yay! Uh, we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, we just don't talk about the control scheme or the end of the game. Alright, everyone. Well, I guess we should wrap this up. Okay, fine. Um, I want to go podcast forever! <laughs> this has been the Game Gola Podcast. I'm Michael Gray. I'm, I'm Michael Michael Hoover. Talking Hi. over Michael as always. I'm Michael Ridgeway. And I'm Zach Rich. Okay, good night, everybody. For correspondence down below.
Great march and happy trails. See y'all later. Mm -hmm. The Game Cola Podcast is brought to you by GameCola.net, video game humor. The podcast participants tonight were Michael Gray, Nathaniel Hoover, Zach Rich, and Michael Ridgway. Podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Gray, with music by Michael Gray as well, because, well, he's the one who edited it, so he gets to show off how wonderful he is at playing the piano.